You're listening to the UBC Medicine Learning Network. So are you seeing patients from home and have family and kids at home as well? Are you trying to find some calm through the day when it seems like everything, work, clinical guidelines, technology, and school assignments are changing all the time? Yeah, me too. This is Primary Care in a Pandemic. Hi, I'm Sarah, and I'm a medical anthropologist working in primary care at the University of British Columbia's Department of Family Practice. And I'm Morgan. I'm a family doctor working in the inner city and faculty in the Department of Family Practice. We're both part of the Primary Care Innovation Support Unit, or the ISU. In this episode, we're sharing a few ideas that can make working from home with your family a better experience. So this can cause extra strains on all of us. When things go sideways, it can make balancing even harder. Now you have to work out the issues while also having time to see patients and be a parent and probably a teacher too. And parts of the world are opening up. And while schools might be restarting in some form or another, some people may elect to stay home in this model. And it's very likely that the new normal will look different, both for primary care practices and also for schools and families. And Sarah, it's possible we may end up moving back to fully online and homeschooling if there's another outbreak. So to try to help with this situation, we wanted to bring a few tangible ideas to the family table to talk about. So first, we can think about changing our clinical schedules to accommodate our family needs. I think a lot of us are already doing this. It's better to be available when you know you're probably going to be needed at home than booking up your day as usual. Having that predictable family need and having the space to deal with it is probably the best use of your time. Exactly, Morgan. And I think, I mean, we have a really good example of that. We actually shifted the timing for what we were doing in the innovation support unit around so that I could be available um, in the like 1230 to one o'clock daily window where my my three-year-old has her Zoom check-in with her class. Yeah. So it might mean taking small breaks like that during the day to check in or be available for that class to supervise. And if you're doing telehealth, you know, maybe that's just blocking off a couple of extra slots through the day so you can head upstairs or, or downstairs and check in with the kids, you go a little bit longer to catch up that slack later on in the day. And then how do you adapt if there are two adults working in a family? What do you do if you both have patients to see? Dr. Alex Singer is a family doctor from Manitoba, who you've heard before on our podcast. His wife is also a provider. And now his young family has that challenge of having two providers working from home. I have three kids and my wife's also a physician. And the way we've arranged our schedules is we offset our clinical days. So I spend a bunch of my time doing research and quality improvement work. And she does a lot of knowledge translation, dissemination work in addition to her clinical practice. For the last couple of years, we've tried to stagger our clinical days. We've maintained that. So whomever is sort of quote unquote in clinic gets to shut the door to the office. And we generally have to, we try to keep the kids away from the basement as much as possible. So we've been sort of tagging off on the homeschooling. And time shifting your day can be a really great plus for patients as well. You could be providing access at times that work better for them. Yeah, that's a good point. It's sort of an unintended benefit to everything that's going on. And of course, time shifting and managing homeschooling looks really different for kids of different ages and in different schools even. So Dr. Margaret Manville is a family physician. She's the medical director for long-term care on Vancouver Island. And she highlighted this in her discussion of how her family and her two older high school-age kids, who are 15 and 17, are managing the transition and their decision of whether or not to go back to school now that schools are reopening here in BC. 
And then my older son is at a private school and he's in grade 11 and my daughter's in grade nine. So I think we're, we're playing it by ear based on what they're telling us. I know my daughter really wants to go back to see her friends and reconnect and see her teachers, but it's going to look very different. And I'm just very uh, impressed with how well they've tolerated the change, even though it has been hard to be online doing school. My daughter's school has a lot more flexibility and my son has, you know, school from almost 8.30 till 3.30 every day. So it's a very different environment that he's in. And, you know, they look at each other wanting what the other has. (laughs) My son wants more flexibility. My daughter wants more structure. So I think they're both handling it extremely well. Really, what I think is highlighted here is the importance of flexibility and scheduling and that this change will impact children in different ways. Of course, having more than one child in a family adds to this complexity. There's also that very practical side to this. Dr. Christy Newton, another family doctor, has two teenage kids at home, and she emphasized the challenges of things like bandwidth when you have multiple people working from home. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, keeping our, my teenagers on a, you know, a schedule. And if both of them are doing their video classes and then I'm doing a video meeting and my husband's trying to upload something and then data overages, holy smokes, uh, that was another thing. And um, and the bird driving me crazy. Um, <laughs> we have had to establish a place in the garage where people can go and get away for a bit. And I think this highlights how really thinking through scheduling and space with your whole family can be really helpful. Our next suggestion is to really make some of these scheduling decisions together. Working together and getting buy-in from kids is good at any age. And Sarah, as we were drafting this, I was co-working with my son. He was learning programming and I was learning podcasting, so two different kinds of homework, and we were doing it together. And we realized that that co-working was something that we really liked. And generally, kids thrive on consistency and routine. While they can kind of tug against the rules, they're usually really helpful. And engaging them in these kind of discussions can be great. This can be especially relevant, I think, for the kind of preteen and a bit younger kids. Having clear routines can help kids and the family sustain all the other changes that are happening around us. Yeah, so work out with your family how you want the week to work. Do it together and figure out when people are working and when they have gaps, when lunches. Blocking off times for work and times for not work will really just help everybody. And if there's more than one adult in the house, consider who's on for the younger kids at any given time and for which school subjects too. This creates consistency and clarity for everyone. And Morgan, I know that your family does this really well. How are you guys all organizing your week right now? Yeah, so Sarah, we we have a bunch of things. I mean, my My wife definitely takes the lion's share of support for school, but we've worked it out so that we know when we're working. And I talked about that co-working time that that my son and I do. We have signs everywhere. We talked about that before, about putting a sign up if you're doing telehealth, but each one of us has a sign when we're in different classes or or doing different parts of our work. We've got a shared calendar and uh, that's accessible for all of us just on the kitchen table, which is great. You know, we figure out between my wife and I who gets different school assignments to be responsible for, and then we make sure we have our playtime. The last part that we try to do, but we try to have a family meeting every week just to make the planning happen and make it routine as part of our regular schedule. And those are such great ideas, and I really think that my family could benefit from this. We currently do nothing like that. I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old. So uh, family meetings, I'm going to start those tonight. Our last idea is really to think about kind of focusing on some of the more positive aspects of this new working from home. 
meals together, fun routines. One of the benefits to families is that we now have more time to spend together. We can cook together if we're all at home. We can make time for lunch together. And in our conversation with Dr. Alex Singer, he really highlighted this as an unexpected benefit. And it is sometimes kind of nice, you know, at lunchtime. I don't have clinic. I don't have any appointments left. I've reviewed other cases. I come upstairs and I get to have lunch with my family, which is kind of nice on my clinical days. And it is it is challenging that you just know everyone's sort of two floors away. But it is also nice to not have to commute and to uh, be able to sort of share those little additional moments that you wouldn't otherwise, you know, I never, I never generally get to eat lunch with my kids during the week. I mean, I think culturally, there's a lot to be said about sharing meals and in terms of family togetherness and bonding and really eating healthy. This is one of the great benefits of the self-isolation or family isolation. Now, one thing I need to do is make sure that I schedule in that time. Yeah, I, uh, the scheduling side of things, I think, can be really really tricky and easy to forget. And for older children at home, the demands are different. Sometimes it's more about getting them out of the room or off their devices than it is demands on your time. Yeah, it's something that with with a younger kid, I, I don't think about, or I kind of think it's going to happen eventually, but um, it's still uh, in preteens, it's relevant too. And for any age, you can build up the new fun routines. Sarah, you recently have a new routine with your daughter to help you stay healthy. So after our first podcast, where Dr. John Polovich talked about the importance of remembering to move when you transition to virtual working, I realized I wasn't moving at all. I got a Fitbit. It just reinforced this. So our newest thing that I'm doing now is when I come down from my office to make coffee, which I probably do more than I should, uh, my three-year-old runs intense workout sessions for me in the time that it takes to boil water. So it's a, it's a double win. We get to hang out. She thinks it's hilarious. And I get some exercise. Well, folks, that's it for this episode. We gave you three quick tips on trying to balance family and practice, shifting work schedules, co-creating schedules and routines in your family, and taking advantage of some of the benefits of working from home when your family's there. Hope these might be helpful in finding that balance as we all continue moving forward in this new normal. And we really want to thank Drs. Margaret Manville, Christy Newton, and Alex Singer for their contributions to this episode. staying home because then I can go upstairs and see her and I've been in a fourth before. Thank you. Goodbye. This has been a presentation of the UBC Medicine Learning Network. 